We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, what's going on? Right back with another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast today, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in. There's the audio side, the video side. Really excited about today's episode because I got two of my favorite sports reporters and two of my favorite guests ever on this podcast on the same show. I got Sal Capaccio, of course, Buffalo Bills sideline reporter and WGR talk show host. And Matt Beauvais, sports anchor at WKBW TV, Channel 7 in Buffalo. Also now co-host of the Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Hey, Pat. Pretty good. Hey, how are you? hey Pat. How are you doing today? Good. And I, you know what? I got to say this, too, because I always have guests, for the most part, one-on-one. So it's rare when I have... Uh, more than one guest on at the same time, and I'm not as experienced at dealing in these kind of roundtable discussions like you guys are, so I'll try not to interrupt and, and step over and, and keep things clear. I, I do want to talk about your podcast, obviously. Of course, we'll talk some Buffalo Bills as well today. Before that, though, um, before we get into anything, uh, I wanted to mention Jenna Clearly, Jenna Cleary, I'm sorry, a very good sports reporter and also somebody who I like very much, did announce on Twitter, I wanted to throw it out there that after five years at Channel 7, uh, she, she's leaving TV altogether, but she is staying in Buffalo, which I think is awesome. I just wanted to uh, throw some love out her way. And I know that both you guys, especially obviously you, Matt, you've worked with her. Um, just throw a little bit of Jenna love out there. I appreciate it. I know she would appreciate it. There is not anybody that I can think of that has worked harder than Jenna Caleri to be in the position that she has been in. She is a genuine person. She has built her entire career off of relationships, and she's an unbelievable storyteller. So our loss here at Channel 7 is Kenton's gain. I will say, though, she is going to stick around for a little bit, and she's going to pop up on TVs occasionally here and there. So she's going to be sticking around a little bit. It's not going to be her full-time gig, but she is going to do a little bit of stuff for us. So I'm excited about that side. I'm also excited that this means she gets more time with her family. She gets a little bit more time with her husband's now, Paul. He's still in the media side. Mm-hmm. Having two schedules you got to juggle, both in media has got to be really, really tricky. Now they've only got to figure it out with one, but I couldn't be happier for Jenna. She is an exceptional human, and I wish her nothing but the best. Yeah, and Sal, I know you had a tweet out to her today as well. You see her on the sidelines at a lot of games. You spend a lot of time with her professionally as well. 
Yeah, I mean, we um, we dodge football players together on game days <laughs> is what we do basically on the sidelines. She's running back and forth. And, um, you know, I remember maybe last year, a couple of years ago, it had to be last year, I guess, but uh, uh, someone stupidly threw something on the field and it just missed her. And we were talking about that and like the hazards of being down there and situations like that as well. And she's just a good person. And Paul's a great guy and they're going to have a really long, happy marriage. And I'm very happy for her. But you know, at this business, we see people come and go a lot of times. And um, Jenna certainly someone that has made an impression in a, what I would say, a relatively short period of time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, much love to you, Jenna. I want to talk about the podcast, obviously. I mean, I always like having an opportunity to talk to guys regardless. But uh, when I found out and, and first heard that you guys were doing a podcast together, obviously that uh, greatly intrigued me. Now, the podcast has been out for a little bit. It premiered uh, hit the airwaves May 24th. You've done a couple full episodes. Talk about, and again, whoever wants to start, talk about the concept of the podcast. What was, uh, how did the idea for the podcast come about? And uh, what was the process of, of getting this together? So this is an Odyssey initiative. It's the company I work for. They own WGR, mm -hmm. obviously. Lots of other stations. We are the second largest radio company in America. Um, we have lots of sports stations in different markets around the country, lots of flagship stations. I think if you, th if you look at NBA, major league baseball and NFL, <laughs> excuse me, Odyssey has like at least, I think 75% of the flagships of those particular, um, teams in, in whatever markets. So what was happening was, you know, you see the explosions of podcasts around. And, you know, like yourself and many other people, but what's happening is a lot of these big radio companies are starting to kind of carry the podcast, like from third parties. Mm -hmm. well, Odyssey basically said, well, hey, wait a minute, instead of doing that, we should have our own and, you know, direct people to what we're doing with our own talent. Um, so they have started this initiative called It's Always Game Day in Whatever City. And the first one to launch was Cleveland. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. And my friend, Daryl Ryder, who's basically me in Cleveland, he's the beat reporter for the Odyssey station there. He's one of the co-hosts on that particular one. And Andy Roth, who used to be the program director at WGR over 10 years ago, he's the program program director of that station in Cleveland that helped launch this with Odyssey. So this was kind of the initiative they put together and said, hey, why don't we do our own thing and we'll, we'll pair up one of our people with someone else in the market. And they chose Matt and they went to Matt and he can speak to how that went. And what's funny is, Matt knew before me. I had no idea. Um, he knew right <laughs> around the draft, I guess it was. like I think the week before the draft, I, did, I had no idea. And Matt said, you know, I knew when I saw you and I didn't want to say anything. My, my, my bosses had not approached me yet and told me what was going on because they wanted everything buttoned up on their end. And when they did, of course, I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'll do this with Matt. But that's pretty much where it came from, which is, hey, why are we basically outsourcing these podcasts when we can do this whole thing ourselves? And now you're going to start seeing it's always game day. I spoke to somebody who was asked to do it in Cincinnati. You're going to see it's always game day in Pittsburgh and all these other NFL markets. They're going to have, it's always game day. And it's going to be the NFL team uh, as the center of the podcast. Basically. That's cool. How did you find out about this? Matt? I was walking. I was walking around. Like I had some big, important secret. I didn't know who knew. I didn't know who didn't know. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. So I got a phone call while we were actually at the owners meetings in Florida. And I was talking to Sal. And then a couple hours later, I got this phone call 
And they sent me a message first and they said who they were. And then I ultimately, I picked up the phone and I ended up having to drive from West Palm Beach to Orlando to go do a feature story with Gabe Davis. So I had plenty of time in the car. So I basically called the guy from Odyssey and we had a conversation just kind of about what his plans were. He wanted to gauge my interest a little bit, asked me, you know, what experience I had in podcasting, said that, you know, they were looking at some options, but they wanted to reach out to me. And I was like, absolutely. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's an area that's expanding continuously. I think the Buffalo market is perfect for it because obviously people here just can't get enough of the bills. They didn't tell me right off the bat who I would be working with, but I kind of put two and two together. They're like, all right, so if you sign on to this, we have somebody in mind. They cover the team now. I'm sure you already know who they are, but they wouldn't say. I was like, you can just tell me it's Sal. Like I'm putting <laughs> I'm putting the pieces together here. I, I'm figuring out who this is. So yeah, they told me and it was it was a little bit of a process, but it worked itself out. And I'm really happy it did because I feel like we're about a month into it at this point. We've gotten some good feedback. I think it's continuously growing and it is still the off season. I think once we get to the actual season, we're going to have a ton to talk about and hopefully we can really get some momentum going. Yeah. And Pat, that's the actual thing. The other part is the execution. We, that was the big thing we had to work through when our schedules would mesh to do this basically. Right. It wasn't the content will take care of itself. Like Matt and I could yeah. talk all day. We're both Italian and you know, we love talking sports so <laughs> we could talk all day, but it was really the execution of when we could do it. And we do have a, Unlike a lot of other podcasts where people kind of self-produce, the, the re one of the reasons I like this, and I do my own podcast, L Sports and stuff and things like that, this is actually produced by Odyssey. We have a producer. His name is Jim Stalliano, and he actually works at WBEN as a producer, but he's in our building. So he actually, we, we do our recording. We send him the audio, or sometimes he's with us on the audio when we do it. But that was the biggest challenge, honestly. Like working with Matt, the content, that's the easy part. We can do this all day. It, we, we probably have way too much to talk about to keep it pretty much within an hour counting the ads that we have. Um, but that was all. And, and I think, you know, going forward, that's going to be with the bill schedule, the way it is and us traveling still going to be the challenge, but of course, you know, we'll make it work. Exactly. I would say this too. <laughs> and you guys get to do the fun stuff. Recording the stuff is the fun. It's, it's right. all the post stuff that can be a big pain in the ass when you ha have a podcast. So that's really cool for you. And also kind of like what WGR does with their content on the air, what I, what I like about your podcast so far, and again, it's an advantage of having a producer, right? that's their job to, to do this, is right now, you guys, you'll drop the entire podcast, but then you'll also clip it too. You know, there's several segments from that show available because the, the reality is this, and I don't care who you are and what your podcast is, not everybody always has an hour, an hour and a half at a time to always kill and listen to something. Like if I say, all right, I got Salamat on and we're going to be talking about uh, Micah Hyde today. But you got to wait 25, 30 minutes. You might not have 25, 30 minutes. But when you have segments broken off like you do, if somebody doesn't have time to listen to that whole show, at least not at that time, but they want to hear something specific. I like the way that it's uh, put out there for you guys that you have an opportunity to like listen to that segment. Yeah. And the example that I used with Sal, because I am a big podcast guy, whether it's your podcast, whether it's, you know, sales podcast, whatever it happens to be. I like the segmented portion of it because I try and kind of stack things on top of each other. Sure. Like, what can I do and also listen to this podcast? So for me, a lot of the times it's yard work outside and my front lawn takes about 20 minutes to cut. My backyard takes like an hour to cut. So I like to just be able to go to the front yard and throw on one segment of a podcast or my drive from my house to work is like 20 minutes. So it's like, oh, I can listen to a segment of a podcast there on the way and then another segment on the way back. So you kind of bookend it. So for me, I, I like the format of that because not everybody has, you know, an hour that they can dedicate 
listening from start to finish. And I feel like when it is segmented that way, then you can kind of consume it as you go and you can do it on your own schedule, which, which I think makes a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. There are some people who don't like it like that for one simple reason. And I understand that is they get four episodes downloaded into their browser. If they're a subscriber and they're like, wait a minute, I only need one. And I totally understand that. So I, I say this, like, if that's you, then, you know, Hey, we're sorry for that, but it's very simple to just simply delete whatever you don't right, want you right. know, when it goes into your browser. So <clears throat> that's the easiest fix. I think like you guys are saying, the good part is, you know, Matt and I did three segments. We just recorded a podcast last night and each one is segmented. So one is on the quarterbacks, one's on the running backs, one's on something else. And you could say, well, you know what? I don't want to hear about uh, the quarterbacks. I know Josh Allen's a starter. Let me see what these guys said about the running backs. You can go right to that instead of scrubbing through basically. And it's right there. But I understand if someone goes, hey, wait a minute, I subscribe. I'm getting four episodes downloaded every time one drops, which is the full episode and three separate segments. And my answer to that is, I'm sorry about that, but it's super easy. All you have to do is hit delete, 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 and get rid of whatever you don't want. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the segmented podcast as well. And sometimes I'll listen to the whole show. It just depends to Matt's yep. point on how much time you have allotted for that particular time. And yeah, I'm look, I, we, I don't know about you guys, but I subscribe to a ton of podcasts. I don't have time to listen to all of them. I, I get to as many as I can. But to your point, yeah, it does fill up your feed pretty quickly. But it, it's, it takes two seconds to, ju to just right. delete something. Uh, Schedule-wise, have you guys set like a regular schedule yet? Like when are you going to uh, be doing episodes? Is it more about your careers and when time permits? Or like is there a general time and dates? It's maybe as the season gets closer where you'll know like what fans can expect uh, episodes on certain days. Yeah, I think right now we're just kind of piecing it to what our schedules allow, just because with the NFL schedule basically shutting down from the end of minicamp to the start of training camp, we're going to be all over the place. Sal's going to be going on some vacations. I'm going to be going on vacation. Sure. Like life gets in the way. So now we're just kind of figuring out times. It's like, hey, Sal, I've got the six o'clock news and then I'm going to go home for dinner. I've got like an hour window. Can you do it at 730 on a Tuesday? And we'll see if that works in our schedule. Once we get to the regular season, our plan is to get kind of much more into a rhythm and it won't always be like this, but the plan is to have at least an episode, kind of a pregame talking about whatever the upcoming matchup is, maybe interviewing people who are on that side of things, talking about the different X's and O's of an opponent, and then a post-game recap where we're breaking down what happened in the game and we're kind of going over all of those things. So that's a little bit easier because you know when the game is and you know when that needs to be posted. You want to get it posted as soon as you can. And you know when the next game is and you want to make sure you get the preview done so people still have time that they can listen to it before the game actually happens. So I think we're going to get into more of a scheduling rhythm in the fall once the season starts. But for right now, it's just kind of texting each other every other day and being like, hey, what's your schedule look like today, tomorrow, or the next day? Yeah. And it is, too, with Jimmy, our producer, his schedule as well. Like, you know, there's a couple of times he's like, hey, I'm not going to be around the next couple of days if you guys want to you know, drop one. Otherwise, it's going to take me a couple of days to get to it. So, you know, we, we want to make sure it's we're coordinating with him. But the plan is, though, fans will get two episodes per week during the season. We're trying to do that now. Um, when we take vacation, I mean, as they say in the business, we'll put a couple in the can. <laughs> uh, Matt and I might record a couple episodes that sure. kind of pre-record that we could put out at certain dates. But I'm going to be gone for two weeks. He's going to be gone for a little while. So we won't be able to necessarily keep to a live recording schedule. But once we get to the season, that is the plan. And that's two per week. Now, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Sal, you have your own sales sports and stuff podcast. 
You guys are constantly, you know, generous with your time and jumping on plenty of other people's podcasts, including this one, which I'm always grateful for. You guys are joining a crowded Buffalo Bills podcasting community. Um, I think to have success, there's a couple keys. And I mean, you definitely check some of the boxes instantly. And for starters, I, I think the biggest one is having a uh, street cred. You know, I mean, look, there's a lot of great Bills podcasts out there. They don't necessarily cover the team and they're still really good podcasts, but I, I just think there's a certain element when you're there, when you're in the building without being a jerk about it, because we know in some media markets or some people, you know, they got to let you know that you're not in the locker room. You're not covering the team. So it's almost like you're not qualified to say shit. That's the, obviously not you guys, but having, having that street cred, I call it street cred, but just being in the locker room, being at the press conferences and being there and seeing everything, I think gives you guys, uh, the ability to to talk and discuss some things that just the average person on a podcast can't. And then the other thing too is sound. I, I look, I am a, a sound freak and I don't care whose podcast it is. I don't care if it's a mainstream person like yourself or, or Tim Graham or Joe or any of these other guys, or I don't care if it's somebody who has 15 followers on Twitter. If your podcast sounds shitty, if, if the audio's bad, I ain't going to listen to it for long and I'm not going to come back to it and most people I know feel the same way because in large part, again, there's a lot of options to choose from. Um, so the quality, and honestly, now that I'm hearing you guys separately, I get it because I'm going to be honest with you. When I first heard your podcast, I thought you guys were sitting next to each other hmm. in a studio somewhere recording. I mean, the audio quality of your podcast so far has been, and I mean this, legitimately superb. We did do that in the first episode. So you weren't, you weren't well, wrong. Well, I wasn't wrong then. You guys okay, sound but, really good, uh, man, regardless of how you did it. But since then, we have not been. We've been just like we are right now. So hopefully it sounds just the same. Yeah, it sounds good. I, I And Pat, I'll say, I know nothing about audio. Like, I know I'm in television. I know, like, enough that if I hold a microphone in somebody's face and it's on, usually it's going to sound okay. But this has been an entirely new world for me of trying to figure out the whole audio space. So everybody, if you have listened and you're like, man, that mic's a little hot, bear with us because we're still trying to learn. And thank <laughs> God for Jimmy because he's able to fix everything. But yeah, no, I we absolutely are aware that it is a crowded space. And I think you can never get too much of a good thing. And right now, everybody is so interested in the bills. And I do think that there is some value, you know, not to pump our own tires because we're not those kind of guys. But if we're talking about James Cook and why we think that he is going to play a big role in the offense, it's nice that we're able to sit at practice and watch James Cook and be like, man, that guy's got some extra juice. I mean, in our last episode, we were talking about how Tavon Austin a couple weeks ago was just a guy who they brought in for training camp. And now we're both like, wow, like we can see a role for him on the team from practice, from just watching him play. So I think that does add value. And obviously, Sal and I, we like to talk. We like to hear ourselves talk. We're a couple of paisans. So hopefully it can be a little entertaining for people as well. It's yeah. And I think the other thing to have success that can really give you success, Pat, is look, I mean, we're attached to the second largest radio company in America. I mean, that's who's doing this. Sure. Right. I mean, like this is promoted. It's going to be promoted on WGR. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're actually, we, in fact, uh, I get it. That reminds me, I had to send in the commercial that Matt and I, the promo Matt and I recorded last week because they wanted us to record a couple promos because they're going to run in rotation on WGR, on the WGR app and in, in that stream. It's going to be on other stations, maybe in the Buffalo market that Odyssey owns. Hey, listen to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo with Sal and Matt. I think that's invaluable because you're just driving around. You're a Bills fan. You're listening to WGR and they're like, hey, Buffalo, you know, we got a podcast, Sal and Matt talking Bills. 
that all of a sudden gets you maybe to think about, I got to go do that. And you're already maybe listening on demand to show up with the bulldog or Howard and Jeremy bam pops up. It's always game day in Buffalo. So to me, there's an inherent built-in advantage to having it attached to a radio company that has all the backing and support behind you to do this. Yeah. Absolutely. And like for me getting involved in it, being on the TV side of things, it was a really exciting opportunity because we were kind of starting it from the ground up and we're like, this is what the vision is. We want you and Sal to have creative freedom here. And we want you to see what you think works, what you think maybe doesn't work. And we'll just see how far this goes and see what you guys can turn this into. And it's really cyclical. Like for me, my main job is the sports director at channel seven, but if somebody's driving in their car and they're listening to the podcast or they're outside on a walk and they're listening to the podcast, maybe they're like, hey, I'm going to throw on Channel 7 because I watch a different station or vice versa. Maybe they're watching Channel 7 and I'm talking about something that Sal and I are talking about the podcast and they're like, OK. And then same thing. Sal could be having a conversation at 1030 on a Tuesday with Joe, but it's limited to the segment that they have allotted. And we're like, well, we're talking about that more on the podcast. So I think it really is just kind of like this perfect blend of things. And it's not perfect. And it's going to take a while to get there. Actually, we're never quite frankly, we're never going to get there, but we're learning. And hopefully it continues to get better, especially as we move along here. For sure. I would ask this or I would say this too. I know there's other podcasters who are listening or watching this or content creators, I should say, who would probably like some insight from both of you. How do you guys protect yourself a little bit from fatigue and burnout when it comes to talking sports? Now, again, with you guys is different than say someone like me. This is my hobby. You know, sometimes if I do two, three episodes after, you know, I get a little bit burned out and a lot of hobbyists are the same way. In fact, you know, like Bruce Nolan and the guys from Cover One, those guys are great, but this is not their job. Joe Marino's different stories. He works locked on bills. I mean, that's his job. He does this for a living. You guys do this for a living. So I know it's part of your job, but you guys already are busy. You already have plenty of professional responsibilities as it is. And now this is another thing. And I'm sure that a lot of times it's going to be fun, but it's also work. And I know you guys know that too, prepping and just the time that you have to devote to, to it. How do you protect yourselves from just getting burned out from, from doing this? It's a good question. Um, protect yourself. You know, I just think for me, I have to always put first things first. If you're, I, I took a, um, yeah, there's a great course out there I'd recommend for people. It's called the seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, it's by Stephen Covey. And he, one of the, one of the seven habits is per, put first things first, make sure you take care of the big things in your life before mm -hmm. you take care of the small things. Yes. This is my job to do this podcast is part of we're con We are contractually obligated to do this podcast. We both sign a contract, right? I mean, that's right. what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. However, they didn't say you must do it on Monday night at this time or Tuesday night at this time. So I know, Hey, I want to make sure I get it done, but what else do I have going on? I have an eight year old son. He's playing sports. He's doing all these other things. I can make sure that all the stuff needs to be taken care of in my life before I say to Matt, Hey, this is when I'm good to make sure I record the podcast. So I, I always have to remind myself, I don't have to get it done at a certain time. You know, that might come up at some point during the season where, boy, we got to get this in. And then you feel a little rushed. But to me, that's how I kind of avoid the pitfall of that. The other part of it is it's not work when you love it. I could talk sports all day. This is what we do for a living, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't care. But, but I learned a lot from that. Like that was one of the ha seven habits. Put first things first. I always make sure I remind myself, my son comes first. My family comes first. Make sure I get those things taken care of. And then I can say, okay, this is when I have time to record. 
for me, it's almost the, I, I very much understand the idea of like burning out. And I think that is real, but I almost have treated the podcast, whether it be with Sal or whether when I got the start in podcasting last year with Joe, <laughs> I've almost treated it as kind of like, this is the place where you can really draw out your ideas and you can really give your opinions because in television, yeah. we're so allotted. Like I get two and a half minutes or three and a half minutes every single night. And I understand, and I think this is probably, a, this is a really intricate conversation, but the people who are watching local news, the people who are viewers of the news are not necessarily like the diehard sports fans. There is overlap, like diehard sports fans watch the news, but it's a different audience. If you're going out of your way to listen to a Buffalo Bills podcast, you very clearly care about the Buffalo Bills. In that way, you can really flesh out your ideas. And this is something that I'm still learning. I had a great conversation with Matt Perino, a friend of Sal, myself, and you, Pat, where when I started the podcast with Joe a couple like a year ago, basically, I was like, hey, how am I doing? Because I don't know anything about podcasting. And he was like, you need to flesh out your ideas more. You need to talk more. And I was like, that doesn't make that's weird to me because I'm so used to trying to get my ideas down to 30 seconds to 45 yeah. seconds because I've only got two and a half minutes. So for me, even though I think the wearing out is a very real thing, this is enjoyable because I can kind of you know, expand upon my ideas and give what I, not what I really think, because I do that when I'm on TV, but give what I really think in more than 30 seconds and 45 seconds. So that's exciting to me. And it is a different space. And I think it's a growing space. So that gives me a lot of excitement to be part of it. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. I, I got one more question for you guys. And then I want to spend at least a couple minutes talking uh, some Buffalo Bills. One of my favorite things about both of you, Matt, we've become friends over the last couple of years. Anytime I've ever asked you to be on the podcast, you've always been gracious and always been on. Me and Sal go way back. Um, so nothing really needs to be said about that. The likability and approachability of you guys and the accessibility of you guys uh, is almost second to none in this community, in this market. This might be, it might sound like a corny question, but I, I think this is important. How important is being likable and, and being relatable in today's sports media compared to the past. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Um, back in the day, you had one newspaper and you had uh, you know, a couple TV stations and, and you had one radio station and that was it. And if you didn't like, I love Jerry Sullivan, but let's just use his name to throw out there. If you didn't like Sully back in the day, tough, tough, tough shit. Because you, you, you weren't going to get to read anybody else. If you didn't like Mike Shope 20 years ago, oh, well, who else are you going to listen to? If you didn't like Sal 20 years ago, well, who are you going to listen to? Now there's more options for, for, for consumers, for fans than ever before. And, I'm, and again, without naming names, or, and it's certainly not in the Bills market, but there are some people in the media, whether it's Buffalo or other markets, that still are kind of stuck in a 20 years ago kind of mentality that you're beneath me because I cover the team and you don't. So you don't have a right to talk or, or to write about this. Obviously, again, that's not the case with you. Don't don't you guys feel that being likable and approachable in a market where there's more options than ever, that's it's more important than ever? I think it's certainly important, but I'm also never going to try to be likable. I'm just always going to sure. try and be myself. And if that happens to be that people are interested and people want to listen or people want to tune in, then I think that's a that's a win. But I also can't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. I'm quirky. I'm a little weird. I'm goofy. I'm my jokes are corny, and I really love sports. And I 
with people and they're like, that's something that I enjoy, then that's perfect. And I think likability is a big factor, but I don't think it's ever going to get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say this because it's going to piss some people off. I'm going to have to know that there's a time and a place when I'm going to need to say things that people maybe don't want to hear. And maybe that is going to rub some people the the wrong way. But that's another reason why I was so excited to work with Sal, because people love Sal. And he has become an authority for Bill's news in the market. So I think we have a nice rapport and we haven't done a ton of work together up to this. Like we're a month into this, but Sal, before the podcast, it's not like we were doing things together all the time. We just knew each other from being at Bill's practice and talking on the sidelines. So I think it has been a really good start and hopefully people find us likable and they continue to tune in. Yeah. And I think it's also an example of like all these different cross sections of writers and TV people and radio people who get together and do different things. I'm on another station. You have people on your station from other uh, places, you know, it's all different ways to do it. We all kind of intersect and we're all kind of friends, which is maybe another discussion because there was a column written recently (laughs) about that. Uh, But I digress. I think it's okay to, to be like that. You know, it's a, I, I I could do Pat, you and I could do, and, and Matt, we could probably do a whole hour or two hour podcast on this particular subject. I think it's fascinating to me um, just kind of how this has evolved for me to think about the question you've asked and where I've come from and where I am. And I will tell you, I think that there's two parts of it. There's the personal likability side and the professional likability side. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because when you're talking about if you don't like Jerry Sullivan, you can turn on someone else. That's right. But you also don't maybe know him. Maybe you do know him. You just hate his opinions, right? right. And something like that. I, I think that's that's part of it. And look, I'm just going to be transparent and say I like being liked, and I have an ego. I, I think anybody in this business who gets into this business has some sort of ego. I mean, we're on stage. We're kind of performing. I'm in an entertainment business. I'm not just in a give you bills information business. I'm a talk show host, a sports talk show host. Like with that becomes you have to find entertaining ways. I always say to people. What's the number one job of a talk show host? It's not to be informative. It's not to be the smartest person. It's to be the most entertaining. You want to keep people engaged in what you're talking about. Like, that's what we do. We are in the entertainment business, right? And I like that. And I will tell you, I would be totally lying if I said to you that I didn't enjoy people coming up to me and recognizing me and saying, you're Sal Capaccio. I love listening to you or whatever. With that, sometimes do people, you get people who just hate you. They tweet at you. They get, look. A lot of mean tweets or whatever. Sure, that can happen as well. I don't think I get as many as a lot of people probably, you know, some of my colleagues, but that can happen as well. So to me, um, I enjoy it. But like Matt said, you don't change who you are because of it, because if people aren't going to like you, I've also learned they're probably never going to like you. And the people that you have made those relationships with, with, they're probably going to stick with you for a while. And that's the biggest thing I think I'm most proud of that people do say that like approachable, likable. Look, I mean, you know, I came from an, an, an Italian, my dad was an Italian immigrant. We grew up very poor in, in Chictawaga. I didn't have much growing up. I had to work for everything I had. And, you know, to be in this spot where I have the kind of life I have with the advantages I have to do the things I can in sports and give to my son are very important to me. But I also know that I'm the same guy who all these people are coming up to me saying, hey, I listen to you all the time. I love Buffalo sports, love tuning in. I did that. With John Murphy and Rick Jenneret and Van Miller and Rick sure. Azar and Ed Kilgore and Ted Darling and all of those guys. They were my guys growing up and my girls that were that I watched growing up. Uh-huh. And to, to Sal's point, and I do think this is kind of a sidebar to the likability thing, but 
we get into this because we love talking about sports and we love the idea of this being a career. Like my first time in the Bills media room, I remember looking around and being like, oh my gosh, that's Sal Capaccio. Like I listen to him on the radio every day or, oh my goodness, that's John Murphy. He's the voice of the Bills and the list goes on and on. So I think that's because those people are likable. And I think they're in the positions that they're in a lot of the times because of that, you know, especially with sales space and with my space. I think you need to be to an certain extent. If people, if everybody hates you, you probably aren't going to have a very long shelf life. You're probably not going to have a very long career, but you also need to understand that, listen, not everybody is going to like you. Hopefully right. just, the, hopefully just the majority of people do. Well, and, and I will tell you part, part of our, if I can here part of our jobs are a little bit different. I don't think Matt's even allowed to do this in, in TV, but like I endorse products on the radio, right? I endorse mm -hmm. like businesses and things like that. Well, those people aren't going to ask me to do that if they don't like me or have a relationship or trust me or things like that. So in a lot of ways, like that's part of my job to be the person who you can trust and I can go up to you and I can have a conversation with you and I can be approachable and I can talk to you because I'm selling myself because part of my job is to sell me, to sell my company, to help sell your business because that's really well, how we get paid basically. Yeah. And, and you know what? Maybe likability wasn't even the uh, the best way to describe it. I would say, like to Matt's point, just being authentic and being yeah. your true self matters. But also the up to the other half of that is the accessibility. Now, you know, I've been blessed to be doing this for four years and you guys come on this podcast and I think you both know that it's going to do pretty well. You know what I mean? But I've also seen you guys speak into that accessibility thing. I've seen you guys on a lot of other podcasts. And we just, I mean, I just asked you 10 minutes ago about burning out. How do you protect yourself from burning out because of all the time you put into your work? And now you got another um, part of your job here with the, the new podcast that you guys started. Yet I always see you guys on other people's podcasts pretty much. And I'd be almost willing to bet when asked, you know, you, you find a way and you make it work. It's important to both you guys to, to be accessible to people. Again, whether it's mainstream, whether it's Tim Graham or Joe Biscaglia on their podcast, or whether it's Cover One or or somebody from Rumblings or even, you know, independent, smaller podcasts and that, you guys always seem to be accessible and, and good with your time when it comes to doing those kind of shows as well. It wasn't that long ago that I was in the position that a lot of the people who are doing these podcasts mm -hmm. are in. And that's why I feel like I need to pay it forward and to, to some extent. And I think when you're talking about a podcast that's established like you, Pat, I enjoy talking to you or Tim or to Joe or to people who are professionals. But then there's people who started a podcast two months ago and they've got 15 subscribers and they send you a message and they're like, hey, can I take 20 minutes of your time? And if I can make it work, I'm glad to do that to a certain extent, just because I feel like that was me not that long ago, just looking to get a shot, looking to be heard somewhere. And I think relationships matter. It's what I was talking about with Jenna at the beginning of the podcast. The reason she was so successful while she was here in Buffalo was because people trusted her and because she built strong relationships. For all I know, that guy whose podcast I'm on that has 15 listeners is going to end up being the next Scott Van Pelt. Like, I don't know, but I feel like, I just want to have good relationships with people. I want to pay it forward as much as I can. So if I can make the time, I'm going to do it with in reason because I do have a wife and a dog that I need to spend some time. <laughs> right, with. right, 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 right. Every right. once in a while, the words no can come out of my mouth with this, but it's only because I just can't find the, the schedule. But if we can make it work, we can make it work. I just want to help out. And, you know, people always say to me, it's kind of the same question you just asked a little while ago about being burned out. I get asked all the time or people will say, boy, you must get tired of talking about sports. Everybody comes up to you and wants to talk about the bills. I go, no, because you know why that person doesn't have the same, the job I have. 
they go whatever job they do every day. They're not talking sports. They're talking about selling encyclopedias. I don't know what it is. Whatever they're doing, they're talking about they're they're an electrician or working construction on a roof, and maybe they're not talking. And that's their outlet to talk to Sal about the Buffalo Bills. So I'm happy to because it gives them an opportunity maybe to do that. But these people who reach out, they say, do you want to come on my podcast? Do you want to do this? Like Matt said, it's a people business. It's a people world. I teach my son that. Be nice to people. Don't burn bridges. Try to build relationships. You build people up and you build relationships. You don't tear people down. I'll give you an example. Last year, I went on a, uh, maybe, maybe it's a couple of years now, went on a young man's podcast in college. He's like, oh, I'm a really big fan. I, I listen to you all the time, really trying to do what you do. He works with us now in the building and he's a board op. And he was so excited to come in. And when I saw him in the interview, I went, I go, oh my gosh, how you doing? Yeah, great to see you. My boss like, oh, you know, and it helped him just broke the ice for everybody. He was there. He's doing a great job. And maybe that guy's going to be my boss someday. You know, so I was <laughs> glad it was nice to him. Pat, we can swear, right? Yeah, you can swear. Okay. So this is a Tressa Bove. That's my mother, you know, hardcore Italian lady, maiden name Vaselli. There's a line that she says all the time. And I think it resonates with this conversation. And I, I might get it wrong, but she says, be careful whose hands you step on on the way up the ladder mm -hmm. because they'll be attached to the ass you have to kiss on the way back down. And I think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense with the conversation that we're having. Just be nice to people. I'll be right back more with Sal and Matt. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey. Let's spend a couple minutes talking uh, Buffalo Bills. So training camp, right around a, roughly a month or so from now, I think the back end of the wide receiver position is going to be something that everybody's going to be uh, locked into. They'll be following that pretty closely. Uh, what do you guys think are a couple of, uh, a few of the more, I don't want to say entertaining, but meaningful storylines going into camp uh, that could be interesting to you and, and you think the Bills fans, whether it's positional battles or somebody making the roster or, or anything else. And I would also say, I think it's a given that what happens with Jordan Poyer if he gets a new deal, I think everyone's locked in on that. But as you guys get ready for camp in roughly a month or so, what are a couple of things that you're looking forward to following? Well, you know, I think the, the two top storylines for fans are Jordan Poyer and Matt Ariza. <laughs> the punter. Yeah. I mean, people following him, right? That seems like the the um the biggest storyline there. And you know, Matt shot, shot some great video of him a couple weeks ago that kind of went viral and him booming one of the punts. You know, I think there's some 
non-position battle storylines that I'm I'm looking at. You know, Ken Dorsey, you know, how does this all work? Is he going to be up to the challenge as a first-time play caller and the meshing with Josh Allen? That that's a that's a different room now, right? It's Ken Dorsey, it's Joe Brady, it's Case Keenum, it's Matt Barkley. That's way different than last year with Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey and Davis Webb and Mitch Trubisky. That's a huge turnover. So I think that's something that I'm definitely going to be, you know, looking forward, looking forward to kind of covering and watching and being dialed in on. And I think the most um, kind of polarizing guy we've been talking about and where people feel he can be or what he can do this year is Gabriel Davis. You talk about the back end of the wide receiver group, Gabriel Davis to be the number two receiver, what we saw in Kansas city last year. I think that's going to be really interesting on, on what his season becomes. That's the first person I was going to talk about was Gabriel Davis because this is a really big opportunity for him, and I think he is going to take advantage of it. But I almost feel like most Bills fans have just made that a foregone conclusion, like, oh, he can be the bona fide number two wide receiver. And while I think he can be, we also need to see him do it right off the bat and take advantage of the opportunities that he's given. And the same thing with Jamison Crowder. Like, everybody's just kind of talking about Jamison Crowder, like, oh, Cole Beasley comes in or excuse me, Cole Beasley goes out, Jamison Crowder comes in. Does he fit with what the Bills are trying to do? I think he probably will because he's going to have the best quarterback he's ever had throwing him the ball, but it's a new system. It's a new coach. He's going to have a lot of things that he needs to learn on the fly. So the wide receiver position is one that's really interesting because there are some of those questions kind of at the top, even with the guys we know that are going to make the team. And then that conversation trickles down to the guys that are fighting for roster spots. And those are probably the most notable of the players who are going to be battling to either make the team or ultimately end up cut. I wanted to ask you guys about one specific player. And then I want to get into a couple of bills over unders to, uh, to end this show. James cook is second round pick. And I did a podcast not too long ago where I asked bills fans for their like, bold season predictions and, and takes. And, you know, that would go out pretty much how you expected it. But what I was kind of blown away by was how many people are rejecting this guy. I'm fans, I should say, at least anyway, are rejecting this kid to come in as a rookie and have 450, 500 receiving yards or more. As you cover him going into his rookie year right now and his role in this offense, what you think he may be, do you think he's going to have a pretty big role right away? Because, I mean, I looked it up. I remember I looked up the stats. I think there was like one, maybe two running backs in the whole NFL who had 500 receiving yards last year. And one of them was Cordero Patterson, who's barely even a, a running back at this point. Do you feel like the expectations for him for being a second round guy in this offense are really high right now? From fans? I do. I do because I think that they used a premium asset on him. And I was actually having a conversation with somebody in the front office and I was just saying like, hey, is there anybody that you guys get that you didn't think you'd have a chance at or anything like that? And they were ecstatic that James Cook was available to them because they basically said he is something that we didn't already have on this roster. And that's another piece that puts us hopefully over the edge to get to where we're trying to go. Devin Singletary is going to be the quote starter on this team. But James Cook is going to be on the field pretty much every time it's third down. And he's not just going to be a pass catching option. They'll hand it to him. He's not like you're in between the tackles guy because of his size, but he's got some burst and he's got a ton of position flexibility, which is something that they obviously crave. And when you look back to the Bills at the end of last season, they were the best when they were utilizing the running backs, either in the running game or in the passing game. Devin Singletary caught way more passes out in the flat 
and Brito was even involved for a little bit. Like that's when the Bills offense was the most explosive. So I think he is going to kind of step into that role, but he's going to do it better than anybody they've had these last couple of years. And I think that they're going to be really excited about what he can bring to this team. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, it's super interesting for me because I think that, you know, Matt and I actually discussed this on the latest podcast, which is dropping. This is the uh, state of the running back room. And one of the things that I said there that I'll see you say here too is I think drafting James Cook is not something that hurts Devin Single Singletary and in fact almost helps him because they didn't draft someone to kind of take carries away from him. They drafted someone to be more of a compliment to him to take, you know, third downs and and catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think we kind of have a clear line of what the running back room looks like with Devin Singletary as the first and second down back, if you will, kind of the main running back, and maybe James Cook getting a few carries here or there, and then he comes in on third down. Let's remember, this team went out and tried to get J.D. McKissick. They thought they had J.D. McKissick. They agreed to a deal. He went back to Washington. They've been searching for this guy. The only part of this where I'll say let's temper expectations is how many touches are there for him, really? Do you want him to touch the ball over Stephon Diggs? Do you want him to touch the ball over Gabriel Davis? Do you want him to touch the ball over Dawson Knox? If all things are equal, I think Bills fans would rather have Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox catching the ball than James Cook. You'd probably rather have Devin Singletary running the ball than James Cook, although I think you could make a case for James Cook on that. So how many touches are there really for him in a game that maybe he's not going to get to those expectations and high expectations production-wise that some people want him to have? Okay, I got some Bills over-unders for you for 2022 season. All except one are players in their production. I'll throw out a number and both you guys tell me if you think that number is going to end up going over or under. I didn't include James Cook in anything. That's why I wanted to ask you about him specifically. I'll start with Josh Allen. 4,500 passing yards. And I'll throw out what he had last year too, just for reference. He had 4,407 last year. So the number is 4,500 passing yards. Over. over. That would be my answer. Over. What about you, Sam? 4,500. Mm. I because what he had last year is 4,500. He, he had, had 4407 4, 4, last year. Okay, 4407. There were some stinkers last year that were mixed. There were some unbelievable games, but there was also like a handful of stinkers. And I think this year, maybe the highs will still be as high, but the lows will be a little bit higher. So that's why I'm going to say over. Okay. All right. I, I reserve the right to change this before training camp or the season. I'm going to say under because I think that they're not going to be like trailing where they have to throw a lot. And I think that judging by. Some of the things that come out last year, Sean McDermott and maybe wanting to run the ball a little bit better. Maybe they'll stick a little bit more to that, especially as the season goes on. They have late season bad weather games this year. Could be bad weather at home. I think that could be a factor in something like this. I'm going to say under only because of circumstance, not because Josh Allen's having some sort of down season. Oh, okay. And I'll also say this too, and I'll be the bad guy here. He played every game last year and, yep. and the way he plays, right. there was a chance that he could end up missing a game or two. And I, by the way, as we go through these, I want, and I know you guys will pick with your head and not necessarily your heart. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Josh Allen, 700 rushing yards. He had 763 last year. Under, under for me. That one's pretty easy because I think Sal and I actually talked about this on the last episode of the podcast. I think Josh Allen's running ability is a big asset to the offense, but I think it's something that they should use sparingly to make sure that he gets through the season and then you unleash him at the end of the season. So I'm going to say under, especially now that James Cook is in the mix and they have other options. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, you go back a couple of years, that's a lot for what he's had the last few years. It's really the most he's had in his career. 
even when he had the runner-up to MVP season, he wasn't that. He was in the 500s. So um, I'm going to say under for that. Okay, next one. Gabe Davis, 1,000 receiving yards. He had 549 last year. So obviously getting to 1,000 would be a big jump. That said, he started the year as the number four receiver last year. We saw what he did in the playoffs. He's the number two this year. Uh, 1,000 yards. What do you say, Matt? I, I, I'll, I'll start and I'll say over because I think that there, he is the clear number two on this team. Um, and he'll get plenty of more opportunities. He didn't really play even that much until right. the back half of last year because he was dealing with a little bit of an injury in preseason and you know they had Emmanuel Sanders. They don't. I mean, he's the number two guy and and I think there's there's enough targets there. And he's a big play guy. Like he averages a lot per catch. He was over 15 yards a catch last year, right? So I think that alone will help him elevate those numbers. I'm on the fence about it. I really believe in Gabriel Davis. I think that's a lot, but I'm also going to take the over because I think Sal made some good points. And like a minute and a half ago that I said, Josh Allen would have over 4,500 yards. And even if Diggs gets like 1,500, there's still 3,000 yards left that need to be accounted for somewhere. And they're not going to come from anybody else more than him. So I'm going to go, he's going to be right around there but I think we're going to have a very sneaky, strong Gabriel Davis season. I absolutely love Gabriel Davis. You know, last year, I think Ed Oliver went from being a good to great player. I think that's that could be this year. On the other side of the ball, I think you can see Gabe Davis uh, do that. You said Stefan Diggs. Let's go to him next. 100 receptions. He had 103 last year, and he had 127 when he set all those records two years ago. 100 receptions. I'm going to say under because I think an expanded role for Gabriel Davis Some of those catches go to James. And I think that they, even at points last year, made it like very clear, like, hey, we're we're saving digs for the end of the season. We're saving digs for the big-time game. So I think he's going to be right around there because he's such a dynamic player. But 100 receptions is a lot, even for somebody who I think is a top-five player, or excuse me, a top-five receiver in the NFL. I'm going to say over because, look, there are 17 games now. We're talking less than six catches a game. He has some games where he's 10 to 12 catches. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if he has a lighter game or they go away from him, they rest him a little bit, whatever. I think that um, he'll have enough volume overall as the number one receiver that I think he gets that. And um, I think he exceeds it by quite a bit. I'm, I'm looking at maybe a, a 110 to 115 type catch season. Okay. Devin Singletary, 925 rushing yards. He had eight, a career best 870 last year. We know it seemed like to throw the ball around, but somebody's got to run the football. 925 Devin Singletary. I'll go first here. I'll say under. Um, I just think with the addition of James Cook, uh, with the fact that this team throws the ball so much and with Josh Allen running the ball a little bit here and there, that's a lot. I think that's a lofty expectation for Devin Singletary. Um, Now, he did become the main guy last year, so there's an argument to be made for him to go over this for sure. But I'm just going to say under because I I don't think that that's how they want to structure their offense so much. Part of me is tempted to say yes, because if he isn't here next year, they're going to be okay putting all of that tread onto tires they're not keeping in the future. But I still think under because that's a lot. And this team's bread and butter is the passing offense. So why change that now? And I don't think they will. Going back to the passing offense, Dawson Knox, nine and a half touchdown receptions. He had nine last year, obviously a career best and a team record for tight ends. Nine last year. So I'm going to say nine and a half is the mark for this year. That's a because t- he missed time last year and he still got to nine, but he did have a bunch of multi touchdown games. That's a really good line. That's like a professional odds maker in Vegas line, Pat. I'm going to say under, but just barely. 
Josh loves Dawson Knox in the red zone, loves him. But I think some of those touchdowns will get poached now by Gabe Davis. I think, uh, excuse me, Jamison Crowder is going to have a little bit of a role. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to have a bigger role. So I'm going to say just under, but barely. OJ Howard too, right? I mean, like he's yeah. going to be part of this. I I have to go under. I mean that that's that's a lot. He had he had a big year with touchdowns. I can't ex- I can't really in good conscience think that he's going to exceed that. That'd be amazing if he did. My 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 co-host on the Extra Point Show, Sneaky Joe DiBiase, had an incredible stat that I didn't realize the other day. I don't know. if I'm going to throw this out at you guys, and this kind of relates to what we're talking about here. Um, of all the NFL teams, you take all 32 teams, and you take that particular team's record for touchdown receptions in a season all right the bills do you know what the bills record for touchdown receptions in a season is i actually know this one believe it or not you do yeah only i know it only because i just looked this up for what i was doing research recently. Do you know matt yeah I, I don't know the number but i'm gonna guess it was like eric molds one year it was go ahead pat bill brooks right bill brooks had 11 doesn't 11 seem low for, for the for the all-time most in a season it is low yeah. every other team in the nfl their all-time season was better than 11 for somebody yeah wow. those have the lowest of all the teams so nine is a lot for any buffalo bill to ever have to be quite honest with you <laughs> i think nine is you know but but nine is a lot for a tight end to have i wonder if either um you know davis or Diggs can even surpass the all-time record of 11 i think it's doable but I do find it interesting while we talk about this that, that that stat is alive that the Bills had have 11 as their all-time Bill Brooks leading receiving uh, touchdown record for one season, and every other team in the league has had somebody throughout their history have more than that in a season. Yeah, it's crazy, and you got to go all the way back to 1995. That's when right. he set the record. Right. We'll put it this way: if Dawson Knox gets nine or ten touchdowns again this year, he's going to be a very, very, very rich man. <laughs> Just got a couple more here um, on the other Maybe side of the Buffalo. ball. Vaughn Miller. Nine and a half sacks, which is what he had last year. Nine and a half sacks, Vaughn Miller. Over for me. I think he is still got it. I think he is going to play such a big role on this team. And I think that the way they play defense is going to set him up to get after the quarterback. Like they've got such a strong secondary. They've got really strong linebackers. Like he is going to have opportunities to get after the quarterback. And I think he's proven in his career that he'll make the most of them. So I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over also. I think he's on a mission to to do what he said. That's to get that third Super Bowl with a third team. But also he's going to be used uh, so much more differently, I think, as far as volume than the Bills have really traditionally used their D-line. I think they'll he'll play more than they traditionally – have guys play. Um, and I think Greg Rousseau is going to have a pretty big year uh, in his second year. And that's going to help him a lot as well. Um, I think he's very, it's very attainable for him to get double digit sacks. I think he gets double digit sacks. You know, I want to go back to, I had a John Fina on the show last year. And when Rousseau and Boogie were rookies and he was talking about Hughes and Addison, because quite frankly, about a year or so ago, I thought Addison was going to get cut. I thought it was a good chance he would. And I didn't know about Jerry Hughes because of the money. And he said, no, 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 no. These guys are going to be positive influences on the kids. I can only imagine what Vaughn Miller is going to bring to Rizzo and Boogie and AJ Epinesa as well, now that he's part of this culture and this locker room too. I'm sure that's going to be a, a, a huge deal for them. Um, all right, so I got two more here. The combination of Hyde and Poyer, nine and a half interceptions combined. The two of them combined for 10 last year. They each had five. So nine and a half for the two safeties. I'm going to say under on that one. I 
last year with a little bit of an outlier for them both having a strong season. Not strong seasons, they're both exceptional players, but have that many interceptions. The last couple of years, this Bills defense, nobody has really had a ton of interceptions, not even Trey when he was an All-Pro that long ago. So I'm going to say under, um, just because I, I think circumstantially, it's just going to be the way it works out. What about you, Sam? You know, I'm going to say under, too, and I'll give you another little prediction on this. I think that uh, the corners are going to have a little bit more this year. I think the, the pass rush is going to force teams to get rid of the ball a little quicker. Uh, they'll have a better pass rush. And I think part of the reason why um, those guys had the opportunities is because the Bills didn't have a great pass rush. So, you know, yeah, they were getting the quarterback. They didn't sack the quarterback a lot. They, they actually had a pretty good pass rush. But I think teams were trying to, you know, they could extend the play a little bit more. And I think you'll see less of that. And I think you'll have opportunities for the corners more than you'll have for the safeties this year. So I'll say under. All right. Last one here. And this is one where I straight up hope that it is over. I, with my heart, hope it's over. But Trey White, 14 and a half games played this year, which obviously would determine if he's going to be ready, you think, at the start of the season. Nobody knows now, and there's still a long ways to go. But if you had to look into your crystal ball a little bit, 14 and a half games for Trey White. I'm going to say over because I think that if I put the pieces together, nobody has definitively said, like, Tredavious White will be ready by this time. But me putting the pieces together and using an educated guess, I think he's going to be ready. If he's not ready right away, it'll be soon after. And, I mean, it's not like he has had injury problems throughout his entire career. This is more of an isolated incident. So I'm going to say over, and I know that there is probably nobody working harder to make sure that they play over 14 and a half games than Trey White. Agreed. All the same reasons Matt said. And I would say, though, that I don't know if he's going to play all of every game, you know, maybe they take them out. They little load management because sure. of everything, you know, and that's understandable. Now they have Kyrie Elam, obviously they drafted in the first round, but I'm going to say over, I think that Tredavious white plays. And I, I, I think he's going to be out there week one. It's not inside information. We're not reporting. I'm not reporting. That. Don't say I did. It's just my prediction basically for what, what Matt said about how hard of a worker he is. All right. Last one here. And it's kind of be a, uh, this is going to be a two part one. Buffalo <laughs> bills wins for the season, 12 and a half, which on the surface, Seems kind of low, but the Bills do play a pretty brutal first half uh, schedule. And uh, I mean, you know, that, that allows you five losses. So I guess over under for that. And also, if you were making these odds right now, do you think 12 and a half is the number you would come up with? This should be something that's a half. Or do you think it should have been 13 and a half if you were doing this? What do you guys think? I think 12 and a half is the right number. And I know it's a cliche, the whole it's hard to win in the NFL, but I really do buy into that because I've watched this team in Jacksonville lose and I've watched this team struggle at times when it doesn't look like they should struggle. This goes back to the whole likability thing, Pat. I'm going to say under, but I'm going to say like just under because I think if you're 12 and five, you're a really, really good NFL team. And as long as you're kind of hitting your stride at the end of the season, you're a good enough team to go win the Super Bowl. And I mean, last year, the Bills finished with 11 wins and they looked like they absolutely had what it takes to go win it all until they lost in you know Kansas City. So I'm going to say just under, but I think if this team has 12 wins, that's still a really strong season given the schedule that they have this year. Pat, is this your number? Did you get it from somewhere? No, I, I made it up. I don't know what okay. the actual so I, number is. The, the, the Vegas total is 11 and a half. That's why I... Is I it? It up and so I'll just err on the side of Vegas because you know they build really big casinos and make a lot of money. Um, you know, I know if you could do that, you would as well, Pat. <laughs> um, it's it's a good number. I, I'm gonna go, 
I think they win 12 games. So I think that's why I would bet the over 11 and a half at Vegas. I'd bet the under 12 and a half for you because I'm going to go with 12 games. I think that's where they land. Um, maybe a game or two at the end of the season doesn't doesn't mean as much. Maybe that Patriots game, you know, can kind of dial it back a little bit. We'll see. Um, but I'm going to say 12 and five, as Matt said, is a very good record. It, it hopefully gets you the number one seed, right? We don't know that 13 and four would almost guarantee it, I think. But I, I'm going to say under 12 and a half because I, I like them to win 12 games. I think in year I think in years past, 12 mm-hmm. wins. Obviously, the sample size is just last season with the expanded regular season. But I think with the strength of the AFC West this year, that division is going to just beat each other up so much that 12 and five should still put you in a position where you could be the one seed. The only thing that it comes down to is like the AFC South. And even though I think the Colts are going to be good and I think the Titans are going to be fine, I just don't see a world where either of those teams have 13 wins. So that's why I'm like, if you've got 12 wins and you're in the division that you're in and you let all those other guys just go beat each other up, you should probably be the top seed. I agree. All right. One last question here, and this is purely hypothetical. I want to get opinions from both of you especially from Sal because he's closer to my age and lived it more, all right? No offense, Matt. You're still a youngster compared to me and Sal. Anyway. Young pup over there. Matt. You're the young yeah. pup. Right. If the Bills, and again, this is a hypothetical question for you both. If the Buffalo Bills were to win the Super Bowl this year, okay? They go on, they win the Super Bowl this year, but <laughs> then that's it. They don't get back to the Super Bowl again, and this is a team that's poised to potentially make many Super Bowl runs, but they only get to the Super Bowl and they win it this year but then they never get back. They lose in the first round of the playoffs or the second round, or maybe a year or two, they don't even make the playoffs. And then within a couple of years, they're back to, you know, rebuilding mode. But if they were to win a Super Bowl this year, and that would be it, um, would this era of Buffalo Bills football for you be a bigger success than the early 90s when the Bills went to and lost four straight Super Bowls, but they won four straight AFC championships and went to the Super Bowl for straight years. I'll start just because I wasn't around for any of that. Like I was an infant when they were going to the Super Bowl, so I don't remember it. But I would say yes, because ultimately the goal is to win one. Got to got to win one. Sorry, that's a reminder that I've got a call to be on in twenty minutes. I apologize. Um, I would say I would say ultimately yes that that would make it more successful. And I think most Bills fans, if you gave them a contract that was like they will win the Super Bowl if you sign on the dotted line, but they're not going to win another one for however many more years. I think most people would sign up for that. Okay. So I think I think it would make them more successful. Now, what about you, Sal? Because again, you lived that era. You were around and you knew what the, the city was like for those five, six, seven years where there was a good chance of them going to the Super Bowl every year and then they did it four straight years. So you get one, but then you ain't getting back after that. What's your take? I'm going to say it would be considered more successful because you get a Lombardi. It's as simple as that. You get yeah. a Lombardi. That's the most successful thing you could do with it. That's the pinnacle of sports as great as those teams as fondly as we now look back on them and as as hard as it was to do what they've done and no one's ever been able to do it other than them go to four straight super bowls not winning that super bowl obviously you know hangs over them even if look if that team had won one and not gone to four i think that would be considered more successful than what they did because they won one so i would think that you get one that's what it is it's it's the most successful era because you have that championship i think ultimately though if that were to happen 20 years from now, we're looking at this era maybe as a disappointment. Look at, I mean, the Green Bay Packers 
they've only got they only have one under Aaron Rodgers. And I think people are right now going, how do you not have more than one with Aaron yeah. Rodgers? Right. I think that that's kind of a disappointment in that regard. But they do have that one, and you can't take it away from them. And you know that's partly why they're considered such a successful organization because of that. Um, so I would say yes, it would be because of all those things. I think the sample size is interesting though because we get to the point of like they've been really good for four or five years now. And if you look back on it, it's hard to like picture it because we're in it right now. But like they were in the AFC Championship two years ago. They were in the AFC Divisional yeah. Round last year. If they went to a Super Bowl this year, and based off of your question, who knows, maybe they go back to another Super Bowl. They just don't ultimately win. Like that, that to me is still as good of an era as this organization has ever had. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not like they would be coming out of nowhere this year and going to the Super Bowl. It's kind of been a progression of a good team, the culmination of a, a, a couple of good years. Guys, I appreciate you so much, man. At Sales Sports, at Matt underscore Beauvais. Always game day in Buffalo. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. I'm excited for it, man. I, I really am. I know you guys are going to do great work, especially when it gets into camp and we get into the nitty gritty of football. That's when I think you guys are really going to shine. Thanks for doing the podcast, man. I appreciate both you guys. Thanks, Thank Pat. You, appreciate Pat. it. Thanks for having us on, for sure. All right, guys. I will be back with uh, Casual Friday. My man, Joe Yurden, will be joining me on Friday. Talk to you then. Take care.